Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Good morning. Good morning. All right. <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys had a great, I had a wonderful night's sleep. I almost could have slept in this morning. I was sleeping so well. But it's an honor to, to be here with you this morning. Again, my name is David Pratt. And just real quickly, I am uh, one of the staff pastors at Grace Church, and this is my wife, Linda. Y'all would say hello to her. Glad to have her here with me this morning. Um, I've been uh, at Grace and have known Pastor Willie and his wife for probably close to 20 years, maybe 15, over 15 years anyway, uh, and stuff. And lots, lots happened in those 15 years, so we would usually see each other at quarterly meetings and that kind of stuff down in Chapel Hill and Fayetteville and that kind of stuff. So it's an honor to be here with you this morning, and um, I'm glad to be able to share the Word of God. Pastor Randy was supposed to be here this weekend, and he was in Africa, and then something happened, and so they called me and asked me if I could come down to share with you guys this weekend. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, and hopefully, I've got all my scriptures on the screen, but how many of you got your Bibles with you? Amen. I, I love it when you got your sword with you and in your hands. And we want to minister to you. What I do at Grace Church is a little bit uh, about what I do is um, I'm the pastor in charge of uh, basically pastoral care. It's probably my biggest function. Um, and then I oversee the prayer ministry and uh, prophetic ministry um, and what we call support groups which are an extension of uh, pastoral care, but uh, kind of a small group type type um, thing I want to do. And just doing worship, we had some really beautiful worship, and I'm going to be basically speaking to you out of some of the devotions that I've been having, what God's been speaking to me. Um, and so hopefully the Holy Spirit's going to help you to be able to apply it to your life. But I want to do an illustration first. I just was kind of prompted to do this during worship, and uh, I would ask this handsome young man if he wouldn't mind helping me and uh, it's going to be real easy real easy what I want you to do and your name sir Virgil. Virgil very nice to meet you Virgil thank you for helping me out here um, it's real real simple Virgil I'd like you to take that microphone pick it up from there move it over here to the my left side of the stage and put it down awesome praise God whoa 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 now Virgil, what I'd like for you to do is to move that drum cage. Drum cage, the whole thing. Awesome. That's all right. You don't you don't have to do that. And if you just give the mic back to uh, the elder there, um, appreciate that. Give Virgil a hand. Thank you for helping out. Uh, a while back, the Lord just gave me that little illustration about confidence. And you could see it in Virgil's demeanor, how he uh, responded to, to that question, to just pick that microphone up and move it. It was really simple, really easy. I mean, I don't even think Virgil prayed about it. <laughs> I don't really think he even prayed about that. It was just so within his ability to do that. But then when I asked him to do the drum cage, now, he's probably a little bit analytical because he's like, I can do it, but it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, when I did that with some other people, they just froze because they knew in their own ability they weren't able to do that task. 
And so their confidence level went from a 10 to a 1. And there's a, a passage of Scripture. Now, this isn't my message today, but I think the Holy Spirit just wants to inject that, that um, this is the confidence in 1 John. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, what? God hears us. And so there's something important about confidence in prayer. There's something important about it. Now, dependency is another important thing about prayer as well. So if, if we were actually going to have to move that and needed to have it moved, you've got to recognize that I need some help getting that done. Now, Virgil haven't tried to do it. He probably tore it up. Y'all got to buy a whole new drum cage. You know, him trying to do it in his own strength or, or, or by himself. So you see the point? So there's something about confidence that God wants to build in us and in his people as we are praying because prayer is a very important part of how God goes about building his kingdom. Um, and so I'm going to be doing a, a little bit of a message from what's coming through my devotions to me. And part of my job, like I mentioned, is training pastoral care encouragers. We call them encouragers. Some churches call them maybe lay counselors. And basically what they do is they help people that have life issues. I mean, it could be marriage. It could be an addiction. Um, it could be finances or going through separation or divorce. Or it could be uh, a spiritual issue. And actually, all of those things that I just mentioned are spiritual in nature in some way, shape, or form. They're all spiritual. And so we have a script that I, I give them when they first start out so that they can call people. Um, how many of you know it's tough to call people nowadays? Like cold call, they think you're like a telemarketer or whatever. So we have a little bit of a script that they can use until they feel comfortable in making that phone call. Well, the goal of the script is not for them to memorize it, but it's for them to, to get the concept down inside of them and it's only through them consistently doing it, having opportunities to call people and help people, that they're able to build that kind of confidence. They have to actually do it consistently until they get that concept and they comprehend uh, the steps of, Hi, my name's David Pratt, and I'm calling you from Grace Church and the pastoral care team. And there's always a reason. There was a prayer card or an application that they sent to me is the purpose of that call. But a lot of my encouragers are very timid when they first start out. And they don't have confidence. And it's only through consistency that they are able to help people when they have a need. Say, say that needs anxiety. They're going through a need called anxiety. Well, you'll get confident the more you do it, that you're able to open a conversation with the person. You're able to build rapport with the person that you're, you're talking with. And then you're able to develop a strategy so that you can help them, you know, with their needs. Now, one little more little illustration, and I'm going to start tailoring into my message. When I was in middle school, what we would call middle school, my first um, official playing basketball in, in middle school, uh, we used to do something called suicides. Any of you guys, anybody here know what suicides are? And, oh, my gosh, I thought the guys were, like, trying to kill us. We'd have to run back and forth, touch this line, run, touch that line, run, touch that line, all the way back and forth. And then we had benches. I'll never forget this. We had bleachers that the, the bleachers were probably, I'd say, 14 inches, that first one. And we had to jump up and down on it. And I mean, in about two minutes, your legs are burning. 
or really, really burning. So I felt like it was torture, but the purpose of the suicides was to develop endurance so that when we were in the game and we were playing four quarters, probably, I don't know, six to eight minutes per quarter, and we were playing a, a press, we like to play a press defense, so we're constantly putting pressure on the other team. And so you had to do a lot of running, and you just couldn't do it if you didn't have the stamina and the endurance to do it. And so that was the purpose of the suicide drill, was to build stamina uh, and, and uh, endurance. So we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture this morning in uh, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it instructs us on spiritual development. And I'm going to be using two different translations of the same passage just for effect this morning. Um, uh, the New King James and then the, uh, the King James. So let me open us up in prayer and then we'll dive into God's word this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we sense, we feel in this place today. We honor you, Lord. We honor the name that is above all names in heaven and in earth, the name of Jesus. And Father, we honor you because your name is holy, Lord, and you're worthy of all glory and praise. And Father, we are so dependent upon you. We don't even attempt this morning to try to accomplish anything without the aid of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we lean on you this morning to speak to us, to speak through me, to lead us and guide us, God, that you would build us up and teach us how to grow and how to develop spiritually. Because you've called us to, to, to be in a race, Lord, and we want to endure until the very end. So I pray your blessing over this congregation this morning. I pray your blessing over Pastor Willie this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your hand upon him. We thank you for your hand on this church, God. Holy Spirit, we give ourselves to you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So again, we're going to come from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to give you just a little bit of, of background, and I'm going to read this. I made C's in history when I was in college, so it helps me to read because my memory is not that great, okay? <laughs> Y'all bear with me there. Uh, the story of the Corinthian church, and if you're familiar with that, but um, in Paul's day, Corinth was a relatively new city. Um, the old Corinth, which was famous and powerful in the days of uh, Peloponnesus, uh, Peloponnesian War, I'm sorry, Peloponnesian War, that old city was burned in 146 B.C. by the Roman Emperor uh, Mummius. Uh, because it was a city devoted to gods. It was a city that actually was devoted to all different types of gods. A hundred years were required to pass before the city could be rebuilt. And so in 46 B.C., Julius Caesar rebuilt the city, populated it, and he named it Julia Corinthus. And it soon became an important commercial center. Um, the population was about 400,000 uh, people. Now, that's a, that's a lot of people. I don't know. What's the population of Lynchburg? Anybody know? 69,000? Okay, so 400,000 pe people, and uh, it became a prominent center of commerce, and it was a place of all sorts of different kinds of vices. 
Well, if you've ever been anywhere in school or anywhere, the more people you get, the more what you get, the more trouble, the more bad stuff can happen, the more vices. There's just lots of vices. The city was also in close proximity to Athens, uh, about 50 miles away, which was um, a city of intellectualism. Um, and so you notice in Paul's epistles that such an environment had an effect on the church there in Corinth. And it's amazing that a church was even able to exist. But Paul began to address some of the problems the church was having uh, because of the environment that they were going in. These were, were new believers. That was a church plant. It, was, it wasn't like uh, Israel always had known about God. But these were people that had come into a relationship with Christ. And they had all these cultural influences uh, uh, affecting them. And Paul began to teach them and instruct them. Uh, and how they were to begin to live their lives. And I just want to encourage your intercessory prayer people here and your church in general to identify what some of those influences, those cultural influences that are affecting people in your community because that's where you need to begin to target your prayer, target your intercession, and some of your preaching and declarations. All right? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verse... Uh, Nine is what I'm going to be starting with. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. It's a good place to say amen right there. There's no other foundation that can be laid in our lives than the foundation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All right. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if anyone's work he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so is through fire. And then verse 16 is, is really important. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That passage of Scripture used to sober me <laughs> when I would read it when I first came into the ministry. Because a lot of times you read that passage of Scripture and you think it's just talking to you as another believer, but it's, it's talking to the, to the builders. Paul is speaking about himself and Apollos, uh, who they were having some contentions there. You know, some people like Paul better, some people like Apollos better, and all that type of stuff. But Paul is saying, let each person that's coming to build on the foundation, 
take heed how he's building because there's no other foundation. You can't add to the foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and when you're raising up a church, or in our case, a life, because we're talking about our life, our life is part of a church, you know, you're a stone or a brick in the church, but you're not the whole church itself. Does that, does that make sense? You know, but we're together collectively, we make up the church, the body of Christ. And so there's some concepts that you see in this passage of Scripture. First of all, it says in verse 9 there that we, Paul, and, and speaking of uh, Apollos, are fellow workers, but you are God's field and you're God's building. And he uses those concepts to relate to the church at Corinth, what he's going to go into in terms of teaching them how to develop spiritually and looking at what they're using to build their lives. Well, a field is something that you grow things in, that, are, that grows things that are planted in it. A field grows stuff that's planted in it. A building is a structure, and it's designed to be occupied. And so if they've got the drawings on the screens, I want to show, because Paul talks about the building materials, that uh, little graphic can come up of the house. He talks about... Uh, there's different types of building materials you can use when you're building. And I don't know if you guys can see that really clearly, but that's a really nice-looking house. Beautiful, different types of stone. Uh, and he says, you know, when, 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 a, when you're going receiving ministry, ministry into your life from, from a, a church or a mentor or a small group, um, you want to be sure you're using uh, gold materials that are like gold, you know, fine gemstones um, and silver, stuff that won't burn up when it comes through, through a test and goes, comes under pressure. Or you could look at the second building, which was built out of straw. So he says you can build with wood, hay, or straw. Now, both of them are, are, are houses, and maybe even when we first come to Christ, we might start out looking like that straw hut. Because <laughs> the scripture says when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You know, you're not, you don't start off looking like that, I'm going to say, $500,000 house that was in the first picture. You know, our lives may start out looking like that strut. But what are the building materials that we're using to build our lives in God's kingdom. All right? So, the next little slide is hopefully a little bit of an illustration of where different types of ministry and input come into your life. And I was, uh, again, doing devotions, and through some of my devotions, the Lord just began to, began to speak this theme into my life about where some of my focus was. And I... Uh, in that diagram, you see there's, I've got three actually sources of input. We call that input into your life. There's the spiritual leader that you have. Everybody should have one. There's you, and then there's the world. And I'm just going to say that could be friends, family members, you know, your work environment. There's all kinds of input that's coming into you, teaching you, uh, instructing you how to live and how to do life, Okay. But the two, two big ones I'm focusing on this morning is, is the church input 
and then your input as a believer, as a follower. So I want to read this out of the message just for a little bit of effect and uh, in, in how it reads uh, a very, very simple translation or a paraphrase, I should say. It's actually a paraphrase. It's not a translation of Scripture. But let me just read this. To, to put it another way, you are God's house. You, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're God's house. How many of you think about yourself that way? Because the moment God interrupted me was one of those times where I was not having thoughts like, I'm God's house. I'm God's house. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Using the gift God gave me as a good, and they use the word architect here, which I like better, uh, contractor. Because I believe God's the architect. He devises the plan. We just carry the plan out. I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. But let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation. The one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care uh, in picking out building materials. That's why I like from that translation, just that one little phrase, take particular care of picking out the building materials. I had a plumber at my house this week, and, and we had him come out a couple months ago, um, and um, I can't remember what they were fixing, but anyway, uh, my spigot, I think, on the, in the yard spigot. And so they offered us a contract where they would come in and do a, a yearly inspection of all of our plumbing fixtures. So he came back to do the inspection and got under my house and he found some slow leaks, some drips. Now we have a well, and, and in a well there's uh, lots of uh, sediment or rust that can form. And if you've got iron anywhere in the pipes, eventually over time, we've been there almost 11 years, it's begin to erode the pipe fixtures underneath the house. And so we had some leaks. And so um, he says, I can give you two options. I can fix two of them, the two that are leaking the worst. Uh, all of them have a little bit of corrosion, or at least five. There was uh, ten, I'm sorry. Ten that had corrosion. He says, I can fix the two bad ones, uh, or I can fix all of them. And so I made the decision. I said, well, I'll fix them all. Well, it cost me about $500. <laughs> to do that. But do you think that was a good investment? I mean, it was a good investment because that rust was eroding away the pipes. Eventually, they were going to burst. And so you got to choose good materials. That's where in this teaching, the person, the person, the recipient, the student, the disciple, it's so important, the choices that you make, your diet of what you're eating spiritually, what you're spending time doing in your devotional life, your small group interactions, what's being sown into you, because at the end of the game, you want to be looking like the $500,000 house. You don't want to be looking like the straw hut. Amen? Amen. Y'all smile at me. I, I, this is good. Amen. This is good. This is so, so encouraging. Um, so let me, let me finish uh, reading this. Says take particular care how to pick up the build, pick out the building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. 
If you use cheap or inferior materials, you're going to be found out because the inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with the thing. You, your work, if your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't survive, uh, I'm sorry, if it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 17 through there, through the message. It says, if, if, it, if it doesn't survive the inspection, now this is talking about ultimately the judgment day when we are all stand before Christ and we're judged. But how many of you know in life there's seasons of, of testing, there's seasons of pressure, there's seasons of, of strife, and we've got to be building with good materials in our lives every single day. You know, I hated those suicides we had to do. I mean, they were like drawing the last breath out of me. But when we got into a game and we were playing and we were winning and I was scoring 21 points and all that stuff, I was so grateful that that coach had pushed us and made us go the extra mile to be strong and have great endurance so we could withstand the test, so we could, so we could perform at game time. And all of us in our lives, as, as we're Christians and following Christ, Every day we have opportunities uh, to spread and advance the kingdom of God in our sphere of influence. We have people that we come into contact with. We have family members that we've got to be strong in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God so we can point and show them the way. But if our life is looking like a straw hut, they're not even going to be interested in following. Amen, David. That's, that's good preaching. Our life, we need to be strong in the grace of God. We need to be strong. And it all depends on what's being sowed into us and what we're allowing God to build in our lives. I could have told that plumber, just fix those two, you know, check me next year out, about next year, and we'll see how the other ones are doing. We've got to be sowing good, rich things into our lives. Second Timothy, now this isn't on a slide, but hopefully this is a familiar passage of Scripture. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's beneficial for doctrine or teaching. And the way ministers or mentors, small group leaders, people that are helping you grow spiritually, most of the building material they use is teaching and instruction um, there's some a little bit of relational stuff to a huge degree in that, but all of that is supported by teaching and instruction. Okay, so it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So what preoccupies the mind controls the life. What preoccupies your mind controls your life. Now I'm a person that's a little bit. I gravitate, my number one gift is serving. My number one spiritual gift is serving. And so if I'm walking down the hallway and I see a piece of paper on the floor, I'm going to pick it up. Now there's other people that will walk right by that piece of paper ten times a day. They won't even notice it. But because of the nature of my gift, I see that and I take responsibility for it. But your strength can be your weakness also. And so I, a lot of times I would carry lots of weights and uh, responsibilities and things, and eventually they begin to wear, wear on me, like that pipe underneath, underneath the house. 
you know. And so what preoccupies your mind controls your life. And there's lots and tons of scriptures that tell us how we're supposed to think. Uh, Colossians is one that says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And so we need to be thinking about the things and the ways of God. And there's all sorts and types of information, but what are you investing? What are you sowing into your mind? What ways or preoccupies most of your waking thoughts? You know, is it the Lord and his ways and his kingdom, which is vast and it's broad? Or is it other things that are weighing heavily on your mind? Maybe a problem that you have. Maybe a financial situation that you have. There's all kinds of things, but Timothy Keller made this statement that what preoccupies the mind controls the life. Now I want to go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 through 22. Now this is speaking specifically not of the contractor, the pastor, the small group leader, or uh, somebody that's discipling you. This is speaking to you, the house. Um, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. And listen to this admonition from the Apostle Paul here. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Now, he didn't say that there's already special utensils where you have no hope of ever being one. No, he says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil that God can use. You'll be a special utensil For honorable use, your life will be clean. You will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. From every good work. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. So that's God's desire for us. I I don't know that all of us think or are aware of how much God wants to use us. And he uses us all uniquely. He doesn't use us all the same way. Uh, these uh, ladies and gentlemen that were leading worship, beautiful voice. Now, I like to sing, but I don't really think you all would like hearing me sing. So, But they have a gift that, to help us worship and bring us into the presence of God. And each one of you has a unique uh, a, a gift and an ability that God wants to use to glorify him and reveal himself in your sphere of influence. So it's our job to discover what that is. And then live in such a way that it's being cultivated inside of us. You know, maybe it's a gift of administration. Maybe it's a gift of teaching. Maybe it's a gift of of serving or governing or whatever it might be. God wants to cultivate that inside of you so that it begins to, to bear fruit and it brings strength to the other parts of the body of Christ. And God is glorified. So each one of us have to be responsible to make sure that we're getting sown into with rich quality materials. And that means in your personal devotional life as well, that you're sowing things into your devotional life that are rich and causing you to grow. Verse 22 says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. 
These are building materials. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So again, what preoccupies the mind controls the life. So I want to look at just a few things, just to say like a list of things that you could consider building materials in your life. Well, first of all, the Bible, the Word of God, is an important building material in your life. Um, I brought this little book up here that I'm going to just make a little quick reference to you in just a minute. But um, every day we need to be spending time with God, not just Sunday mornings or whenever we have small group gatherings. And that's not just for pastors or leaders. That's for every single person in the body of Christ. Say amen to that, please. It's for every single person in the body of Christ because it's God's desire that you honor him and glorify him um, and that's the way you begin to sow into your life is by reading the Word of God. And then being Spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. Jesus says, I send a, another one to be with you, the comforter, you know, because we can't do any of the stuff God wants us to do in our own strength or ability. We've got to have help. Jesus himself said, I can do nothing in my, of my own ability. You know, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so as followers of Christ, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. And then prayer is another important building block or building material in a person's life. And prayers are, uh, typically can be a struggle for people. And my wife, she retired 2016. Um, and she's, a, I'm going to say, an ex- extreme case. I'm going to say she's an extreme example. But how many of you know leaders in the body of Christ are just examples of what God wants the average Christian to be? I'll say that again. Leaders in the body of Christ are just examples of what God wants the rest of the body of Christ to be. Our our lives are to be examples so that others can follow it, so they can become whatever it is God's designed for them to become. And so prayer, this is a little book called Emotionally Healthy Spiritually, Day by Day, uh, by Peter Scazzaro. And it's just teaching you how to uh, interact with God on a minimum of like two times a day for a minimum of like two minutes. You know, not starting out with, with so much that you can't handle, but just two minutes where you're checking in with God in your prayer life. And I'm going to start that this week. Uh, myself. And then 2 Timothy gives us some other things of building materials. Purity. 2 Timothy 2.21. Purity. Purity of our thought life. And again, I work in pastoral care, so lots of times I get to meet and hear very, you know, personal, intimate things going on in people's lives, men and women. Um, some guys I have meet with struggle with pornography. And, and if any of you have ever had an addiction, now maybe you haven't had an addiction like uh, drugs or alcohol, um, but there's tons of other addictions. Worry can be an addiction. Some people actually enjoy it. If they don't have something to worry about, they're just even more miserable. You know, so anything can be an addiction. The point is, what preoccupies your mind is going to control your life. So purity, discernment knowing how to choose or distinguish between saying yes to this and no to that. Discernment, something we need to cultivate in our lives. 
And then passion, passion, it says, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. In 2 Timothy 2.20, it says, pursue it. That's talking about passion. It's talking about having a strong motivational desire for something. It says, pursue those things. And then it says, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. That's your church family, small groups, your mentors, people that are pouring into your life spiritually. There should be awakening something inside of you that says, this is God's goal, his desire for me. And, and, and they help pour gasoline on that uh, and whet your appetite for moving into and stepping into those things and, and hopefully shape and mold you a little bit as you're on your journey uh, to growing into those things. And there's all kinds of negative things that we could be adding into our life. I probably don't even have to list those. I don't have time to, to necessarily go into that. Maybe you can get into that more in your own personal devotions or with your small group. Um, and talk about some of those things. But you want to be using good building materials in your life. So if you could put back up that picture of the houses. Uh, how do we become a house that looks something like that? That first house. Or the, I'm going to just say the $500,000 house. Well, number one, be still. Take some time out to begin to be still before the Lord. That's one of the things that, like I said, some of this is coming from what God's been dealing with me about. And we were doing prayer one day at church, and we had a little activation thing where we were praying and just listening to see what God would speak to us. And usually I really hate that because I'm like a very busy person. I'm always doing something, so it's hard for me to be still. And I, I got still and I started quieting my mind. And the first thing I heard, I just heard the words, slow down. Slow down. So we need to, to intentionally carve out time out of our busy lives, our busy schedules, to slow down and be still and meditate on God's Word and on what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in our life. Because God can speak and you can forget it in two minutes. If you get distracted, if you get somebody else pulling you in a different direction, you can forget what God speaks to you just that quickly. If you don't embrace it, if you don't write it down and journal it. Eliminate negative and ungodly thinking in your life. If you have a, a, a tendency to, to, to gravitate to the negative, and I, I confess that there's some areas of my life that I have a tendency to always see it, see it negatively. And then I'll say something like, oh, here, I blew that again. And, I, and my wife's like, you better stop talking like that. So thank God for a person that can speak into that and say, hey, that needs to be corrected and adjusted. That's not the way God wants you to think. Because the scripture says we're God's what? His house. And, it's, and that's holy. That's the way God sees it. He says he sees it as holy. It's valuable. It's important. Eliminate negative and ungodly thinking. Write down what God is saying to you by journaling or putting it on your smartphone. Write down what he's journaling and saying it to you. And then everybody needs a coach. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that that's your pastor because as your church grows and gets bigger and bigger, 
you have less and less one-on-one time with your pastor. Our church, I've probably seen Randy like once in a month, <laughs> in a month, <laughs> you know, but you need somebody that you consider a mentor or a coach that's investing in you spiritually, that's encouraging you spiritually, that's helping you grow, that's helping you steer back straight when you're deviating off of a path that God's put in your life. And, and, and they're, they're there to encourage you and to build you up, but they also need to have you doing some suicide. Some stuff you don't like, but ultimately you know it's going to benefit you when game time comes. Amen? Some things are going to benefit you when game time comes. So those are some of the things that, that I just feel like the Lord is speaking to me about and for my personal life. And I know it's good for us as the body of Christ because God's word is always good. It's always good. So I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, we're going to get ready to, to close this part of the service. And um, uh, we're going to have the prayer team come up in just a couple of minutes. But I just want to encourage you. God wants to build confidence. And he wants us to be people that live in confidence in our life with him, our relationship with him. So that our prayers are uh, not hindered, but are are effectual, and they get answered. God wants to answer our prayers. I'll say that again, because in my spirit, I can hear some people that have had experiences where God didn't move and didn't answer. God wants to answer our prayers. And sometimes we've got to, to, to incubate, get in his presence, and and soak and saturate uh, until we become like Jacob, that we're willing to wrestle with him if it takes all night and we won't let him go until he blesses us. He wants us to have confidence. He wants us to be strong. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? It says for us to be strong. But you won't be strong unless you're putting the right materials into your spiritual life, into your spiritual tank. And you're allowing strength to come into areas of your life. You know, spending time in prayer, spending time just sitting in God's presence, just worshiping Him. Worship is one of the greatest ways to gain strength in your spiritual life. A lot of times it's easier to do it on Sunday mornings, but you can do it at home in your personal life as well and cultivate that. So be still before the Lord. Eliminate negative and ungodly thinking in your life. We're going to pray, and I'm just going to say in just a moment, if you want to just even the Holy Spirit bring some maybe negative thought patterns to, to bear, that you just jot it down and then you can begin to address those in prayer then write down what God is saying to you and maybe through a message like this or any sermons you're hearing, uh, through your own devotionals, write it down and then be proactive about aligning your life with it, uh, pursuing that. Because that's the way it becomes to be an established thing in your life. It doesn't come by just hearing it one time. You've got to soak in it, meditate as the Bible says, meditate in it got to begin to, to see it happening and come into pass in your life. And then you need a coach, somebody that can, come on, David, you can do it. You know, you can make it. That encourages you. And, uh, David, that was the worst jump shot I've ever seen in my life. You know, what, what are you doing, man? You know, 
you need both. You need the encouragement, and then you need the guidance to help get you back back on course with that. That's the way life is. Let's let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, thank you that you say about us that we are your house, the temple of God, and that the temple of God is holy. And Lord, you even warn us as ministers that if we defile it, that there would be dire consequences, Lord. So we thank you for the treasure that we have in this earthen vessels, the people of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to stir and you begin to awaken dreams that have died inside of people. Lord, uh, prayers that they feel like have been put on the shelf. Uh, Lord, and that, they, that you begin to fill their hearts with confidence of your purpose and your direction in their lives. God, if there's too much activity in our lives, Lord, help us to slow down so we can spend time listening to your voice. Lord, I pray that if there's negative thoughts, uh, uh, negative beliefs that are running through our mind like a tape recorder, Father, we arrest those today in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we set our affections on you. Lord, we want to take seriously what you speak to us, and we want to follow through with it. So, Holy Spirit, we're asking you to help us. We're asking you to help us today. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.